Today's reading is from John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would, prepare, who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the one, Holy One of God. Okay, Amber, come on up here. And um, we're, we're in this series uh, called The Pressure of Expectations, and this text that was just read was the same one we read last week. If you guys, either, if you were here, you know that, right? Like, that's not a mystery. But um, let's pull these up a little bit. And next week, we're going to finish up the series, but the reason um, I've got Amber up here with me today is that her story connects really well with that scripture that was read last week. So we're, not, we're kind of in the series, but not, and this is just a, a really important story I want you guys to hear. So this is Amber. She's 29, and she lives on the plateau. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I want to... I get into her story with just a little bit of introduction of how I first met her. It was last January, and I was, it was after the service, actually, and I was in the uh, welcome area out there, and this, um, this young woman walked in, and I mean, it's after the service, so you, know, you kind of notice when people are walking in, but she, she had this intense um, look on her face, like she was really looking for something, and uh, I, I kind of uh, got her on my radar there and I went up to, I don't know if I was the first one that went up to you, but I, I think I might have been. And we entered into a, like a half hour conversation. And she has an intensity about her. I don't know if that's going to come through this morning or not, but it's, it's part of her. And um, she was really looking for, for God. I mean, you know, here we are, but she's really looking for God. And not so sure about Jesus. I want to get that in there. And she's really looking for community. And we had this uh, wonderful conversation, and uh, she's, she's uh, a person that, that has, she's, she's, you'll, you'll figure it out as we go. I, I don't want to give away the, the punchline. But in, the, in this whole thing was this, sort of with God, kind of this, I want God, but I'm not sure, you know, kind of thing going on. And if you know that old U2 song, I Can't Live With or Without You, that's how I would, uh, you could have been singing that song that day. And as we um, get into this, uh, the scripture from last week, there were these disciples. You remember the first disciples that are mentioned at the beginning were disciples who just couldn't tolerate any longer what Jesus was saying. They were following him, but he said some really over-the-top stuff about himself. 
Uh, and we, we touched on that last week, but basically they just said we, we can't do it anymore. And, and I guess you're kind of in that, in that category too because you, there were parts of who Jesus was that you just couldn't accept. And um, I'm gonna just, the first question, Amber, is what was kind of, how would you describe that, that blockage, that faith blockage thing that was going on there? Uh, you should, no, you need a microphone, and it's right here. Boy, yeah, if I were more hospitable, I guess. Um, here you go. Okay. I probably don't need a microphone, but that's fine. <laughs> um, well, thank you for having me here. Yeah. Um, so I have a, an interesting story. I wasn't raised Christian. I was raised Unitarian Universalist, which is a kind of um, secular humanist religion. They have some roots in liberal Protestantism, but they've long since um, explicitly disavowed Christ and the Trinity. So I was raised in that environment and um, under a completely uh, secular way of thinking. Um, but in early age, like from my adolescent years, I remember something pulling me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus in particular was on my mind. And I was like, who is this person? <laughs> and, but even among all of that, you know, who I am is not as important as who God is. And that's the first joy. Hmm. So formerly, I believed what I think a lot of people in our time believe, um, that scripture is only a myth, that it's beautiful it has some meaningful parts, but, you know, it's, it's just a fairy tale. It's a beautiful myth. Um, and I saw the beauty, but I did not accept the truth of it. I think that's what catches a lot of people mm-hmm. on, on the hook of, mm-hmm. well, how can I go forward with this? How can I, you know, I can see God as some disembodied spirit, but what about Jesus? Mm-hmm. This incarnation, what is this? And it's precisely... It, Jesus as the incarnation that is the beautiful stumbling block to many people and even there in the Gospels. You know, how can we accept this? Mm -hmm. You are God incarnate. This is so difficult. But we want this. You know, our hearts cry for it. You wanted to believe, right? Yeah. How can that be? And then, of course, all of the supernatural elements of uh, the Gospels and the entire Bible. I'm like, really? You know? (laughs) Um, So I realized not long ago, you know, I was in this closed-minded perspective that if I believe that miracles aren't possible, if I believe that the supernatural just can't exist, then I am closing myself off from even considering the possibility that it could be real, you know? So if you decide ahead of time that something can't be, you're not going to be open enough to see where it could actually happen. Funny how that works. (laughs) So, um, so, I left Unitarian Universalism a long time ago when I was 18, and I was looking for Jesus. I was like, okay, I I want Christianity, but I don't know how much I can accept it, you know? So I became Roman Catholic when I was 21, and I'm still Roman Catholic. (laughs) So um, I was baptized. I went through the whole process of becoming Christian, but still at that time, I hadn't fully realized how real Jesus is how living he is and how he is more real than, he's more alive than any of us are, you know, really. And so I came here in January and I was like, I was like, I just, I'm, I can't accept a dead universe. I, 
You know, something is pulling at me through all these years because being a 20-something in our society, of course I didn't stay loyal to the faith. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's difficult. And so, but, um, but that was what I did. And I went off and then I'm like, but something is calling me back. So I showed up here in January. I met Pastor Mark and Pastor JD and many great people. And I believe all of you were praying for me. Oh. And that's why I'm back here. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was talking with Mark and he said, He's like, well, these are all great ideas and stuff, but you need to figure out who Jesus is. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so, yes. So here I am. Uh, you know, I really love... Um, the ecumenical connection. I think that's really important in our time. No matter whether we are Catholic or Protestant or Eastern Orthodox, uh, we have to stick together as yeah. the family of Christ yeah. more and more. Yeah, so before I move on, I, I, I know um, an author uses the phrase um, when somebody is in the place that you just described that they felt haunted by God. Yes, Christ haunted. Work? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just, just kind of, and then you learn yep. to doubt your doubts. I mean, that's yep. and that that can lead to yeah. some good places and bad places. And yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to that. Um, obviously, you've you've already given away the punchline. You've moved on from that. Okay. <laughs> but I want to hear, or I want everybody to hear, how did that happen? And was I know for some people it was on a particular day. Or, or time even, and um, describe that turning point. Yeah. Uh, that, and let, let me just say this, that uh, from January till April, uh, till Easter, I guess it was, is I, 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 think I, I think I saw you on Easter, in fact, um, that we had interactions various times. We sat down together and, and talked. And then well, no more, no more Amber. You were not. You made yourself scarce, whatever that means. And I don't, I don't chase after people, just so you know. Um, but during somewhere in there, and then up till this um, this fall, maybe a month ago or so, I hadn't seen you. And then, okay, what happened? That's what I want to know. Well, I can't give you an exact day and time and minute when um, the clouds opened up and a light shone on me. Um, <laughs> it wasn't quite that. Um, immediate, um, but I didn't expect it to be. So the only thing I could describe it as is it's like being born. You don't remember being born. There was darkness, and then there was light. And I can only remember in late summer when um, remembering back to talking with Pastor JD, I was describing early this year that it's like, like you know, JD, it's like I'm surrounded by this dark mist, but it's actually not evil. It's very mysterious. It's comforting. Something good is being born in it. Like being in, I don't know, like you're not born yet, and um, you know, you're in the womb. <laughs> and um, but it did seem like that spiritually. So something was happening in that. And I'm like, I just feel like something is leading me forward. And, but it was very unknown to me. And then, um, if I may read some of my writing, I have. I saw within myself an image of the veil surrounding our natural laws parting amid a dark night. Well, something from entirely beyond broke through. A beautiful invasion of this world, like living breath itself invading the lungs of one struggling to breathe. Yeah. yeah. The poet Susan Stewart said, hearing is how we touch at a distance. This is profound. 
To hear Jesus' words, to truly let his words of light into one's ears and eyes and down into one's body, is to reach across time and space and translation to make physical contact with he who is love incarnate. This is why faith comes through, according to St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. I would say that faith comes through language, specifically with respect to the deaf, as it were, and not through the image. Seeing is believing only in the momentary sense of belief, but faith is the sustained surrender of oneself to trusting in God. Pagan cultures are cultures of the primacy of the image, but the God of Israel is a God whose continuity and consistency of presence is maintained by the nearness of the word unchanging. The word can also be carried within a person by memory and transmitted to another perfectly by way of speaking and writing, as opposed to how an image was so easily lost to time or the destruction of place in ancient cultures, and so it could not be transmitted uncompromised. This is the whole root of the prohibition against the making of graven images for early Israel. But it is also why it is now not only acceptable, but truly worshipful for Christians to create sacred art. And this is confirmed by the uh, Second Council of Nicaea, (laughs) for art has become incarnate, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. I just put the Rembrandt up there, just so you know. It's my favorite, actually. (laughs) According to John's gospel, we beheld him full of grace and truth. And so, Jesus is the confluence of everything holy. Not only is he true God and true human, he is also true word and true image. His word is so powerful and ever-living that when we take his word into our bodies— we can truly hear his beloved face. Say that again. Yeah. Take that, say that again. When we take his word into our bodies, we can truly hear his beloved face. Yeah. His heart-piercing presence, which we long to look upon face to face, we can hear his face. I th- oh, that, that was a lot there, and I'm glad that you read it, because I know that... Um, So, um, one of the things I said last week, and I was going to try out um, on you, but we are are born into this world looking for somebody who is already looking for us. Yeah. That makes sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of that. I mean, I heard heard that in there, in your story. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Um, Several um, rabbis and Christian teachers have said, you know, uh, the Bible is not the story of humans searching for God. It's God in search searching of humans. humans right. <laughs> That's so true. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. So what is it about that, um, that Rembrandt thing up there? What is it, Christ? What is it about that that speaks to you? Yeah. Well, um, a part of the history of that painting is um, Rembrandt was, um, I believe he was a Dutch painter in the 1600s. And um, he left his studio and went into the Jewish quarters and made friends with some Jewish men. He said, may I use your lovely face as the image of my God? And they're like, okay. (laughs) And it was this start of friendship and an understanding between them. And so um, some kind 
Jewish man modeled. And now we have, even starting in the 1600s, a more accurate understanding of, okay, you know, this man, to be sure, he's universal, um, but he is rooted in history as well. He is uh, ethnically Semitic, and, uh, mm-hmm. but also the God eternal, and we love him. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. One of my favorite, I don't know if you've heard, heard this one, but one of my favorite uh, lines, I guess, is that grace is the face of love when it meets imperfection. Mm. And um, when we think, of, I think it's really important to hear that as people who see God with a stern face. Yeah. That uh, his face is, uh, and then what you said earlier about we hear we hear God through the face of Jesus? Yeah. Is that what well, you we can hear his face. Hear, and hear, we hear his face. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. I, I love that. And I love the, the, the humanness and the compassion and the kindness. And um, maybe this is just a, a moment to say, you know, it, it really strikes me that Jesus was only 33 when he died. He was not old. He was young. You know, he could have been my peer. And um, there's something just very, very... Um, I know, very poignant about that. You know, he was, according to the Old Testament, you know, truly the unblemished male lamb in his prime, the lamb of God. And there's just something about that that really is, I think, uh, present in in that picture from Rembrandt. You know, Amber, I wish I was 29 again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, um, Jesus will be forever young in heaven, and he will not grow old. But within him, we find our spiritual renewal. And yeah. so our souls are made young in him, him who is forever young, but who is eternally old also. And eternally I had this, this great conversation with a, a friend here recently where I was like, you know, Jesus is the world champion example of an old soul in a young body who had some trouble fitting in and being accepted. <laughs> so, yeah. That would be you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We have had fun in our conversations. Yes. Okay. Um, last week, in that, or in that passage that we read from John, there's also this separation of the disciples between those who leave Jesus because he said really hard things mm-hmm. and those who stayed. And they agreed with those guys that left. These are really hard things. Yeah. But they decide to, to feed upon Jesus, to take in his living word into themselves, as hard as it might be. And... Um, how does that fit in with your story? You've already hinted at it. Yeah. Let's go there. Well, you know, there's this quote from uh, St. Augustine that I really love and hits the nail on the head. Let's see here. Um, here we go. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. So that speaks of feeding. Absolutely. And the desire, the desire we have for him, our entire, you know, not only in our souls, but this is our incarnate God, so it's it's the physicality of it as well. Um... You know, uh, mention here I'm Catholic because of the Eucharist, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but that is one way that I approach uh, his words, uh, in addition to his spiritual food that he offers all Christians. So um, deep love for that and that ecumenism. 
Um, so, you know, this important passage where Jesus asks, um, are you going to leave me too? Are you going to leave me? And God himself is asking the most important question any created being could answer. And this moment shall resound through eternity. And St. Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. When I hear these words of Jesus, I hear human sadness and tenderness and vulnerability as much as his divine certainty. What we call the hypostatic union. You the, call them. Not, not well, everybody here knows that. For yes. This. Yeah, so okay. it's a theology term. Hypostatic yeah. union means, it just means the combination of fully divine and fully human natures in the person of Jesus Christ. This is fully evident in his asking this question. He certainly had the divine ability, if he wished, everything about the future and what was in people's minds, and sometimes he used this power. But I think he chose the limitation of entering into the vulnerability of not knowing what was going to happen to him at every moment, because such an open-heartedness to being reliant on others on their choices, how they feel about you, and if they want to be with you, is fundamental part of human life and relationality. He came to be one among us and feel what we feel in every way but without sin. So how does it fit with my story? Well, I think my story doesn't matter nearly as much as God's story matters. And the words of St. John the Baptist are the words of a satisfied soul. Here was a man who knew he was heading into martyrdom and said he, Christ, must increase I must decrease we are made in the image of God to love and to serve him forever in eternity yeah, amen so let's uh, just some conclusion stuff here but thank you for sharing Um, we're good on time by the way I'm really big on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So just one thing that that I said to you in January, or I think it was the first time we met, is you you have to figure out who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? Um, (laughs) Amazing. And and I want to say Amber has, she's basically, she's, She's Roman Catholic and, and trending back towards the Roman Catholic Church. We're a, we're a uh, I guess, a pit stop or something, I guess is how I see it. Is that fair? I mean, we're all the family of God. Well, I, I do believe that. But, um, but I am Catholic, and um, that's good for me. So, um, but you'll see me around still. Yeah. So, you well, know, no, I hope Mary so. Queen of Peace isn't that far up the road. It's, it's all yeah. Sammamish. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If those, if those Romans ever tire of your intensity... <laughs> You know where we are. Uh, oh, Catholics, uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, the the thing I would say too is that your her your countenance when you came in that day we had uh, we we had this connection I think that you know in terms of things we um, uh, sort of sense together in terms of who God is and, and yet there were other things that were different and I made the comment about Jesus which I. Is, you agree now, that's the key. But um, your countenance is so different. And I, I bring it up because of how, what you said about face and how you hear, you can hear God. Say it again, the, the part about hearing God through 
his Through face Jesus' Jesus. words, you can hear his face. Hear his face. You can reach across time and yes. space and translation to touch him. Yeah, and I think in God's provision, uh, I hear God through your face in that there's the intensity of anxiety has, uh, and I'm not saying there's, there's, you know, it's like everything's new. We're still struggling through life, yeah. right? But the intensity of anxiety has changed into an intensity of joy. Yes. And, yes. and, and love. And I just yeah. think that's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. yeah and I've um, had anxiety and depression like many people. Um, but it doesn't frighten me as much anymore because even though um, it's still there and it still comes and goes, um, oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. 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 Right. Grave, where is your victory? And there's nothing to be afraid of in this world when you have God. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And I'll, I'll, I'm planting seeds here, but if any of you have heard anything from Amber this morning that you would like to ask her more about, she, she likes to talk, I'll tell you. And she loves to talk about God and life, and, and she's, she's real in that Yeah, way. no shallow talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right to the bottom. Yeah, no, you don't want to... Eternal souls here, come on. <laughs> Intensity, that's what I'm saying. But, um, well, what what would you say to somebody who is maybe where you were? Let's go there. Yeah. Well, you know, loving Jesus is heaven and is the first foretaste of heaven. Loving him. You start to figure out what heaven is. And may his name be kept holy, as worthy as the lamb. He is the beloved king. And... Because of everything that his life has shown us, I would say, especially in our time, remember that Christ came into the world as a poor man to live radically for the love of God. Reject comfort. Be willing to be uncomfortable and unpopular and unfashionable for the sake of Christ. Jesus Christ did not choose a life of comfort or conformity or the path of least resistance. We are not to conform ourselves to the way of the world, but to the way of holy love and sacrifice in the sacred heart of Jesus. Be an uncompromising, non-compliant, spiritual radical of mercy, dying to the self for the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's happiness. And thousands of people around the world are dying for the truth of the gospel right now as we speak, and what are we doing with our lives? We should all be asking ourselves this question. What do we choose to really care about? And you must answer this because Jesus Christ is asking. Feed upon Jesus. Yeah. Each week we offer prayer in the back, and if God has spoken to you in any particular way, I try to say this, uh, this is a good time to go back and have somebody get those words out and have somebody pray for you. By the way, we're all in need of something, right? Can we just agree on that? We're all in need of something? Like there's some little anxiety thing I'm, or big one that I'm carrying around with me. So um, uh, the prayer is available for whatever that might be. And then I'd just like to close with prayer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, loving God, for making your love more visible to us this morning your face more visible to us as well. Your word more audible to us through Amber, through your scripture. Oh Lord, 
we pray for Amber and we pray that you would lead her and bless her as she grows in her love for you and for people. And we also pray that for ourselves. We lift our hearts to you. Most merciful God, to shape them and to mold them to be more like the heart of Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.